Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our Bible study resources, our previous episodes, and much, much more. Before we begin, however, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to do this. We invite your presence to be with us. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to help us that we will rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Resting in Jesus. And our passage for this study is Acts chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, in the King James Version, as always. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands." That's a very intriguing passage. Angel comes with some urgency. Now, even though angels are all-powerful, and even though they're operating by the grace of God and they're, they're following his mission, they don't act slack or lackadaisical. That's important. That's something that we should notice. Resting in Jesus. There are lots of ways in which we can rest in Jesus. Some of them are spiritual, some of them are, are physical, but when we are doing it properly, it will be manifest in every facet of our interaction on this planet. Peter, as we recall, was someone who had denied Christ at the time of the, the crucifixion, or leading up to the, the moments but just before the crucifixion, when he had been caught off guard by all of the things that were going on, and shouldn't have been caught off guard, none of the disciples should have been, because Jesus had been trying to explain this to them, but nonetheless, he had been caught off guard, and when he realized that Jesus was captured and that it was not going to go well, he began to be concerned about his life and where that might lead, and, and he disassociated himself from Christ. That was the whole purpose of what he was, was saying. He was not, I wouldn't say that he was ashamed to be associated with Christ, he was afraid to be associated with Christ. So that's the pre-conversion Peter. Now, Peter has been preaching, the apostles have been out and about, and here in Acts chapter 12, we find that they have already been in prison altogether, all of the apostles, back in Acts chapter 4. 
And at the beginning of Acts chapter 12, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. These were the days of unleavened bread. Now, he didn't try to take Peter in the beginning because Peter was a very prominent guy. And if we notice anything throughout the reading of the Gospels, we know that the leaders were sometimes very fearful of taking people that the followers would be kind of energized over. But when they saw that the Jews were pleased by the killing of James, the brother of John, they thought, whoa, you know, let's see if we can get applause for that. We can probably get more for Peter. So he took him. Now this, this is Peter, who at one time in the past was afraid for his life. And when we come to verse 6, we find that Peter is sleeping, chained to two soldiers, scheduled for death in the morning. Scheduled for death in the morning. But he's asleep comfortably. He's not agitated. He's not nail-biting. He's not nervous. He's sleeping. And for him to be sleeping, it means that he has made his peace with God as well. Right? Because he's not even up praying for forgiveness or any of these other things. Like this, he has been living his life in such a way that those things are being dealt with daily. And he's not having at the apparent end of his life to take, um, to take a, a clear assessment and revisit this whole issue. I'm not suggesting that we should be cavalier. I think we should take every opportunity we have to abide and remain in the will of God. But I think it's notable that Peter is not being presumptuous here. His connection with heaven is solid. And on account of that, he's able to sleep knowing that, well, if, if in fact I'm going to go, this is it. And I'm not worried about that. But he comes, he's asleep, and an angel of the Lord comes in. And a light is now shined in the prison. And the angel has to wake Peter up, smote him on his side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands, fell off his hands. And the angel said unto him, verse 8, Gird thyself, so he's probably, he probably had a, a jacket or coatish type thing that's not on him now. Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. I mean, this guy's resting comfortably. Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, this is the angel saying to Peter, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So Peter believes that he's in a vision and he's being obedient. He's not asking any unnecessary questions. 
but he does not realize that this is a real event that's happening. Right? That's what the Bible says. He wist not, he was not aware that it was true, that this was real, what was happening. He thought he saw it in a vision. Now, should not take that to mean that visions are fake, but that a vision is providing information about a, typically about a time that is not now. It's either in the past or it's in the future, right? It's not common to have a vision about now unless what you're having the vision about is somewhere else. So now, but at a distance, as opposed to now and here. There's no real point in having a vision about what you're experiencing. But Peter isn't sure that he's that this is real. He just believes that he was in his sleep and now he sees a vision. And so he's going in through the vision and he's obeying the angel in there and he figures out whatever he needs to be shown or told, he'd be shown or told. This also indicates that he's had visions before, enough that that what's happening here, um, that it's plausible that what he's going through is a vision. It also shows that in a vision, things happen that are very real to the person having the vision. If Peter could not immediately tell that this was happening to him in real time, in physical form, then it means that a, a vision is very immersive. Okay. Verse 10. When they were past the first and the second ward, because Peter is in, um, he's in a prison that has multiple compartments. He's in an inner prison. Okay. He's in an inner prison. So he's in a prison that has doors. And when you go out of that, there's a, a wider wall, and there's some doors there, and then there's a wider wall, and there's some doors there, and then there's a wider wall. Look at verse 4 of Acts 12. This says, And when he, this meaning Herod, when he had apprehended him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. I'm going to make two comments about this. Four quaternions of soldiers is 16 soldiers, right? So in this case, there would be two soldiers chained to Peter, two soldiers just outside the door of that one wall. Then of the second wall, there would be another two and two, okay? That's eight. And then you would have that happening again, all throughout, because 16 soldiers are assigned to him. Okay? And they're probably doing it on shifts, so they don't all have to be present the whole time, but they're definitely at 16 soldiers that are assigned to guard him. The next point is, intending after Easter to bring him out, that word Easter is clearly not the word Luke used, right? We can tell which word Luke used, because if you look in verse 3, the parenthetical says, then were the days of unleavened bread. Whoever was translating in verse 4, and we know that the translators of the King James, there were uh, a number of them, 70 of them. For whatever reason, 
they decided to leverage Easter because it makes it easier for people who were not Jewish to understand the time frame. But that's not, they chose to translate the unleavened bread to Easter because for the most part, this does not always happen, but for the most part, Passover and Easter are aligned. Not always, not every year because the Jewish calendar shifts around differently because they have a 13th month, a leap month every now and then. Whereas the calendars that we have used over time, uh, including the Gregorian, which is the current calendar that's used, make use of leap days only. So sometimes the Passover and Easter are out of sync and other times they're together. The other thing is that the Jewish calendar has... 30 days in every month. And so in every year, unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread doesn't start on the same day of of the week every year. Whereas in the the um, Easter, Easter Sunday is always a Sunday. Right? So there are those those nuances. So just to be clear, and this is why when we talk about the fact that the King James Version is a preferred version, it's not perfect. Hence, Easter in the translation here. But verse 3, God always leaves us a witness, then were the days of unleavened bread. So what's being referred to here is the Passover time frame, not Easter, which would never have been invented until much later in history. So it could never have been the word Easter there. Okay. So now we're back. Peter is resting in Christ. He's comfortable with what has befallen him. He's a minister of the gospel, and he's not worried about what has been set up for him. Okay? He's not worried about what has been set up for him. He's following the angel, and he's not sure. Verse 10, when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, that's John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. John Mark is the author of the book of Mark. Okay. Peter was resting in Jesus. Even though life was troublesome, even though he was apparently set up for death, even though James had been killed, and so Peter could have no real expectation that his life would be spared, he was resting in Christ, and he was comfortable in Christ, even when he was found to be in an un comfortable situation, chained between two soldiers. 
chained between them. So he's not in a comfortable position that he can just toss and turn and get however he wants. But because his mind is at peace in Christ, his immediate circumstances don't mean anything. Certainly not anything discouraging. We need to have that kind of mindset. We need to be in a place where every little thing that comes up does not totally and thoroughly discourage us and distract us. We need to be prepared to live our lives in such a way that whatever it is that God desires of us, we're willing to do. And when it looks like things are over, not to say you just don't care, but Peter was able to sleep contentedly because he was not worried, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's Peter who quotes that. He knew whereof he was speaking. Don't let your past, he could have let his past failure dictate his future interaction, but he did not, and we should not. It is important for us that we are able to rest even when everything around us is swirling. And we live in a time where that is needed more and more and more. Acts 12, 6 says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. May God grant us the ability to rest in Jesus, casting all our cares upon him because he cares for us. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your leading and guiding. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for coming to the rescue just in the nick of time. And although we don't know why James wasn't rescued, but Peter was, we know, Lord, that it is important for us to trust you either way. Help us to be able to rest in your love. Help us to be patient, to be uh, diligent in all of our labor, and not to get discouraged or despondent when things look grim. These and other mercies we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers, please. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.